Welcome to the 15-Minute Classroom. Come on in and join me as we sit across this online table together. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time in the classroom, let me introduce myself. I'm Diane Kay, host of the 15-Minute Classroom podcast and owner of Next Steps, a collaborative coaching business. Here in the classroom, you'll gain access to information, tools, strategies, and educational support for children 4 to 12 years of age. As you seek to develop essential skills that your children need at home, at school, in their play and relationships. On today's episode, I have the privilege of introducing you to Dale Shipley. Dale is the author of Empowering Parents, Meeting Children's Learning Needs in the Kindergarten and Primary Years. Dale holds a master's degree of education and a doctorate in early and middle childhood. Dale is the author of five editions of Empowering Children, play-based curriculum for lifelong learning. She is passionate about empowering parents to observe, raise questions, recognize their own power, and participate in the transformation of Canada's education system so that it connects with 21st century imperatives. Welcome, Dale. Thank you, Diane. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled, too, to have you here in the classroom, Dale. It's been such a joy to get to know you, as we've emailed and conversed for many months now. So, here we go. On today's episode, Dale and I are going to talk about the second chapter in her book. It's titled, Learning to Learn. So, Dale, what exactly does learning to learn mean, especially as it relates to primary school-aged children? Well, learning begins in infancy and continues throughout life. The nature of learning changes as the brain develops and becomes increasingly complex and diversified as children grow and learn through the stages from infancy through adolescence and beyond. Theory tells us that children build their mental structures from the time they are born and and the changes in the brain also change the way learning occurs. In infancy, learning is largely reflexive and involuntary. In toddlerhood, children depend on their senses, that is hearing, uh, hearing, touching, seeing, as they discover their environments and the things in it. In preschool, children continue to depend on the senses as they learn and believe that what they see is what is, that is, seeing is believing. Their perspective is egocentric, which means they understand from their own vantage point. Therefore, a developmental task at this stage is to decenter, which means children focus on more than one aspect of an object of a subject at a time and understand that what they may see is not the same as what another child sees. As their learning remains sensory bound, the more play experiences they have with things they can manipulate and control, the more readily they learn. That is why blocks, large or small ones, are among the best play materials, as they respond to children's actions on them. When children begin playing with blocks, their play is largely sensory. Gradually, they use them to build a structure that resembles something they have seen or imagined, 
and eventually they learn to plan their structure. For example, saying something like, I'm going to build a condominium. And they learn new words as well as measure, test, and modify plans as they proceed. It's wise to encourage children to form a plan in their minds or draw the plan so they can become used to following a plan. In kindergarten, children's minds move away from dependence on their senses as they discover that objects have different properties and sometimes unexpected things happen. For example, in water play, you may discover that some objects float and some sink, and objects don't have to be big in order to sink. When they experience discrepancies between what they see and what they expect, children begin to understand that their senses don't tell the whole story. This marks the beginning of concept formation. That is, number, classification or sorting, and also ordering and sequencing, which are three important concepts for children to learn in kindergarten. Doing so marks an important transition from dependence on the senses to concept formation that they acquire through direct experience with concrete objects in their environments. Early concept learning is the beginning of logical thinking. I heard you say, Dale, that the more play experiences children have with things they can manipulate and control, the more readily they learn. So learning in these early years involves play, and play is essential for children to develop these important learning-to-learn skills. Summer's a really great time for play, and blocks or building structures are great even on a raining day. Summer is also a great time for water discovery, as children play with objects that sink or float. So in this chapter, you say that the ability to learn is not something that one either has or doesn't have, and that becoming an effective learner has to be learned. Can you explain what that statement means? Well, parents often think that the ability to learn is inborn and that children inherit a fixed amount of native ability to learn that doesn't change much throughout life. This is called a fixed mindset, and it is far from the truth. Becoming a successful learner is like learning any other skill set, such as math, physical skills, and language. Ability to learn improves when children are encouraged and shown how to learn, and help to develop positive habits of mind, such as pausing before making a choice or decision. Parents who develop a growth mindset understand that the brain keeps developing lifelong and depends on internal and external factors that are influenced by the environment, by how they are taught, and by success in learning skills that are emphasized at home and at school. Kindergarten then marks the transition from preconceptual learning to the development of thought and coming to know, to know what is true rather than depending only on what they see. Parents and teachers help their children make this transition when they provide play experiences that highlight differences between learning based on the senses and learning that helps children form concepts such as number, classification, and ordering. 
Concept formation is an important task of kindergarten and well into grade one. The seriousness of concept formation makes kindergarten an important time to introduce children to the learning to learn skills, the habits of mind, dispositions for learning, and skills that include attending, task orientation, and the executive functions. Children are not born with these skills. They have to learn them. Dale, you've reminded us that learning to be a successful learning learner is something that children can learn through the practice and development of specific skills. And you've mentioned habits of mind. Yes, habits of mind are behaviors and attitudes that children should develop toward learning such as willingness to try new things, doing what they say they will do, and taking the initiative to start a new activity and seek help as they need it. As you're describing habits of mind, I can think of how we as parents can begin to encourage our children throughout the summer. We can encourage them to keep going when something they've started is hard, to stop and ask for help when they need it, and to learn from their mistakes. We all know that mistakes can be a necessary part of learning. You also mentioned dispositions for learning. What are these dispositions for learning? Well, these dispositions for learning include ment the mental energy and motivation to play and, in and to engage with learning activities. Dispositions are influenced by the child's freedom from anxiety and stress, nutritious food that feeds learning ability, loving caregivers, and a reasonable level of routine and dependability. Children need to feel safe and confident that the world around them is stable, so they can approach learning with an optimistic frame of mind that encourages them to try and to believe they can succeed. These dispositions for learning begin in the home. I hear you saying that children who feel safe and secure and know that they are seen and heard can approach learning with an optimistic frame of mind. Dale, you also mentioned attending skills, task orientation, and executive function skills. Can you describe these for us? Do so concisely, and, and then we can move on to discussing one of the most important ones. Attending skills include learning to block out distractions, return to an activity after an interruption, and to focus on what they have chosen to do in spite of temptations to do something else, like have a snack or start another activity before finishing what they have started. Executive functions include self-control, perspective taking, that is to consider that others may have a different perspective, memory to remember what one has learned, finding and committing to a goal, and the mental flexibility to see a problem or a situation in different ways. And then we have task orientation, which is the ability to choose an activity from an array of choices, start the activity, overcome obstacles along the way, perhaps by seeking help or asking for more resources, and finish what they start. This is the beginning of an ability to delay gratification, a skill that needs to be worked on throughout the school years and sometimes lifelong. You can see that a most important task orientation, therefore, 
is the ability to persevere or we say to persist at a task until it is finished. So you mentioned the ability to persist is one of the most important skills, Dale, in the uh, task orientation. Uh, in your book, you reference a quote by David Schenk, persistence is the difference between mediocrity and enormous success. What does this quote mean to you and how specifically does this apply to this most important persistent skill that children can learn through uh, practice? Well, I think I'll start with another quote to answer that question. The ability to persist is at the root of major discoveries in the history of the world. For example, Einstein is known to have answered in response to a question about the source of his genius by saying, I'm not a genius, I just stay with problems longer. Charles Darwin was believed to possess an average intellect, but his persistence led him to discover the evolution of various species and the doctrine of natural selection and for his tireless ability to document convincing examples of his evolutionary theory. So children should understand that to finish means that the end result bears some resemblance to the plan that they made at the beginning, although plans may be altered along the way. Children who persist at a task or a project long enough to succeed feel successful and their success motivates them to try again. Persistence is one of the hardest learning skills to achieve because it is always tempting to leave a, a task when it feels too difficult. An inability to persist not only leads to mediocre performance versus enormous success, it also leads to wasted potential. There are circumstances that make it difficult to persist with one's goals, such as poverty, physical or mental health challenges. But for most people, persistence is a realistic aspiration, but it needs to be practiced intentionally. First, with two and three stage activities or projects and gradually lengthening the time and the number of stages involved in a project before it can normally be finished. So the ability to persist still involves the learned ability to stay with a task, a project or a plan until it's finished. And it usually includes learning how to overcome obstacles that get in the way and the ability to ask for help when needed. We wanna make this very practical for our listeners. Thinking of the summer months ahead, how can a parent provide opportunities for their children to learn, practice and develop the essential skill of persistence? I think projects offer the best opportunities for children to learn to persist, as well as many other learning skills. It makes sense for parents to focus on outdoor projects with children, such as planning and planting a garden, building a fort in the woods or the backyard, or learning to identify trees and plants in their neighborhood. Let's unpack the garden example to show how gardening teaches persistence in addition to allowing for practice of number and literacy skills, understanding logical concepts, and acquiring knowledge. I'll start with knowledge. Gardening teaches the names of plants, including flowers and vegetables. Children also learn to identify the colors, tastes, smells, 
and textures of plants through the sensory experiences of gardening, and they acquire everyday knowledge about the requirements plants have for water, for hours of sunshine needed each day in order to ripen, the nourishment or the fertilizer that plants require, the space they take up in the garden when it's fully grown, and other kinds of care, such as weeding. Garden projects also teach natural science knowledge, such as the role of the climate and weather conditions like temperature and the rain needed for germinating the seeds and watering the plants as they grow. Logical concepts are practiced too, such as counting and estimating how many seeds to plant relative to the space available in the garden and the order in which the gardening tasks need to be done. For example, first using tools to loosen the earth, fertilizing, raking the soil, measuring how deep the, the seeds should be planted for them to germinate and grow. They also require, or they also acquire a sense of time passing for the plants to grow and the vegetables to ripen. An important learning skill practiced in gardening is to make a plan to follow a schedule of tasks and the order in which they should be done. Children learn to return to an activity after an interruption and to focus on the tasks as they do them. They also practice starting and finishing each task and perhaps they keep a, a record of the work that has been done and the tasks left to be done. Gardening is really rich in learning of many kinds and making and looking after a garden brings rewards when it comes time to pick, prepare and eat what they grow. I like the gardening example, Dale, because summer is such a great time for gardening and it's not too late if you haven't started your garden. You can purchase vegetable plants that are in the early stages of growth or you can plant a few herbs or even grass seed in a cup. Your children will need to water and tend to their garden and ensure it's in the right environment to grow. If your children do grow a garden, they'll be motivated, especially when they look forward to eating a vegetable they like. They'll experience the fruit of their labor and learn to persist this important skill that you've talked about. Well, that's a wrap for today. Dale, thanks so much for joining me across this online table, and I look forward to having you join me in another upcoming podcast. Well, this has been a great pleasure for me, Diane. Thank you for this opportunity.